Hey, Kingdom One fam, welcome back to another podcast. If you're new to the podcast and you might be asking yourself, what is a Kingdom One? We totally understand that ministry leadership is complicated. There are certain things that you have to think through for your ministry that seminary didn't prep you for. Things like finance, human resources, and marketing. And so we created Kingdom One to come alongside you with the resources, the tools, and the knowledge to help you be effective in ministry. If that sounds like something that you'd want to investigate further or to see all our service offerings, you can go to kingdomone.co. Today's podcast, we are talking with Scott Partridge. He is a production lead at High Desert Church, and this podcast is great for you, ministry leader, if you are thinking about the way that you're currently doing productions. A lot has changed since pre-COVID to now post-COVID, and a lot of things have shifted, and we're going to talk about those shifts in technology, the shifts in production, and the shifts of creating your own content in this podcast. Welcome to the Kingdom One Podcast, where we grow the church together. This podcast is here to give you big ideas and help you get practical with the tactical. Here's your host. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast, Nick. It's a lot of fun to be here. Um, uh, Just a short intro about me. Um, I've been working uh, in production and doing music since I was about 15, 16 years old. Um, I started uh, essentially learning how to play guitar. And then when I got to a point where I realized like, oh, I'm not amazing at this and I probably won't be super amazing at it uh, the older I get with such great confidence right I I actually dove into production I actually started in audio uh, and broadcast audio and uh, essentially wanted to record albums with artists and such and that's kind of what got my my motivation there is thinking well if I'm not so good at this maybe I can help elevate those who who are really good at this and so um, I pursued my degree in audio engineering music theology all of those things um, at uh, Calvary Bible College in uh, good old Belton Missouri right in the heart of the United States and uh, after I finished up with my degree um, in the process, I was also volunteering, doing worship leading, volunteering, doing production, more audio gigs than anything. Um, and I got my first, I will call it a uh, big break <laughs> in a uh, big Southern Baptist church in Missouri, uh, where they enjoyed their choir and orchestra, uh, a lot. Um, and there was just a lot of good, um, opportunity to learn a lot of different things all at once. Um, and so I started in doing broadcast audio for them. Uh, I think the, the biggest thing the undertaking was working on a digital board, but then also learning how to apply my experience using DAWs like Pro Tools, Logic, uh, Waves, things along those lines to try to help uh, elevate the broadcast audio a little bit better for them. And man, this was this was really at the beginning of the digital age, really. So when you were seeing some of those older Yamaha boards that were taking their first steps into the digital world, but still very replicated very much what a, an analog board looked like. Um, lots of buttons and lots of uh, things you could mess up really quickly. <laughs> so that's funny. Um, yeah. And uh, anyways, and so after kind of working with him, I worked kind of my, my way up the chain, really going from audio uh, to video to lighting and then becoming the uh, production director. The, the role there was the media director um, that they considered it at this church. Um, and then, man, I, I want to say I worked there and, and uh, was there for 
probably 10 plus years total. Um, also in the meantime was doing some work for some other churches, worship leading, kind of helping build some contemporary worship teams from the ground up. Um, and, uh, and again, not necessarily because I sing fantastically or anything. It was just kind of taking all the pieces of what I've learned and putting them all together from the stage and off of the stage just as well. Um, so yeah. Uh, and from there, then i moved out to California about three years ago and became the production director for high desert church. Um, here out and uh, now my job is essentially the same thing. Uh, it's more of a contemporary church, t- t- uh, contemporary styles of services across four campuses, uh, four very unique campuses from one to the other. The desert uh, has a lot of different uh, population individuals, and so you go from uh, the the wide open area feeling and and dealing with folks on that level, and then you go to our our Victorville campus, which is our broadcast site, which is very big and uh, you know more of that capital capital C type of church. But it's nice because it's a lot of applications, and so yeah, just to sum it up, I mean that's that's about fifteen total years of of worship and production experience uh, as a whole. That's awesome. That's a lot of experience, specifically with the choir and the orchestra. I don't think a lot of people understand how much goes into a choir and orchestra setup, like just on the, from the mic levels to, uh, just, you know, and that's, that's, that's pretty interesting because COVID kind of changed that. Like, I don't know if there's a lot of choirs and orchestras that are still going. If they are, they're, they're extremely dedicated at this point. Yeah, most definitely. It was, uh, it was not necessarily new ground for me in the sense of going to church. I did grow up in a very traditional church. Um, so I was kind of used to traditional music already, but then, uh, yeah, getting a, to jump into actually dealing with a whole choir and orchestra and making sure everything's working and making sure everyone can hear, <laughs> uh, visually everything being seen very well, man, it, it was, it was a really big production. I'll be honest. It was a much bigger production there than it uh, currently is where I'm at now, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. I know a lot of people who I talk to and they say that that's the worship style that they are, uh, find most familiar and that they most enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, it's, it's kind of sad that COVID changed things, but I'd love to talk through that lens of like how COVID has changed production and maybe how expectations have changed over the past couple of years. Um, when before, before, like in 2019, things were completely different now than in 2022. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the, uh, the biggest overall overarching thing that I can say that has changed the game when it comes to COVID is quality. Um, the level of quality in video and audio and lighting and everything um, has just skyrocketed in such a short amount of time. Um, you're having people uh, even in small uh, and older churches recognizing that they actually needed to either get online for COVID or they needed to increase their overall quality because a lot of people couldn't show up for church. Um, This was unfortunately something that I feel like a lot of churches neglected before COVID. And so unfortunately spending most of their time during the COVID period, just trying to figure out a formula or can you find a guy that can help increase our quality for all the people who are now stuck at home and and not able to watch. And to be honest with you, what's really difficult about when people are sitting at home, and this is even the same thing for me, is it's really hard 
to engage with something that's bad quality or, or, um, you know, something that's just a little less desirable to watch because if you're sitting at home in front of your TV, uh, you can most certainly just turn on the latest adventures movie with Disney plus and automatically be wowed. And, uh, you know, so I think that the biggest thing, and it's kind of unfortunate to say it out loud, but I still feel like it is a truth that needs to be told is that we are competing as churches with just streaming services in general. What really is going to keep someone engaged with watching your service or watching your church or whatever event that you're live streaming um, or not live streaming. You may be doing post-production for your online services, but either way, what keeps people engaged long enough to where they want to sit and watch versus uh, popping over to Netflix or popping over to YouTube or something where they can watch essentially something that's better quality and really easy for them uh, to, to get engaged with real fast. So Absolutely. That's, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think ministry leaders really need to think through that lens that, uh, you know, if you have poor quality video, poor quality audio, people are going to check out immediately because the world around us is excellent in quality and attention is kind of the, the more important thing. The more important driver is attention. So I think ministry leaders should really be thinking through that. Um, and speaking of like how those changes have actually gone out, um, can you, you maybe talk to me about some of the churches or the, the, uh, you know, uh, like some things that you've seen in the production space that are, are uniquely different from what's been happening the past five or seven years, you know, like how, how have we changed um, dramatically in the, in the tactical ways? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for me, the biggest thing that stood out was video um, and how we were filming our services, I feel like have drastically changed. Um, and again, you know, not to take spirituality and, and bring it to a level of, of competitiveness, um, but there is a quote unquote competitive market to visually how churches look from one to the other. And that's not necessarily to say that that means my church is better than yours or, or whatever the case is. It's all one team, one dream. <laughs> but uh, the, the, again, when you are really trying to reach a lost world, um, what people are used to seeing visually is very cinematic movie quality. And I would definitely say a lot of churches have adopted that into their filming style. Um, but you're also diving into a world that people go to school for and have spent years trying to perfect this craft. And now you suddenly realize that, Oh my goodness, all these people, um, are now watching us, uh, man, we really need to, to bring forth some excellence, bring forth some quality. I mean, we've even seen a rise in production level just in Christian movies, <laughs> just in general with uh, series like The Chosen and such. And so, um, you know, I, I like to really boil it down to the lens of uh, to do everything with excellence or in Colossians uh, 3, 23 through 24, whatever you do, uh, work at it all with your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since that you know that you'll receive inheritance from the Lord as reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Um, and so I really just try to keep that mentality. And, you know, maybe sometimes people consider, man, you know, why are we trying to produce movie quality or why are we trying to produce, uh, you know, the, this level of Hollywood production? Um, this is church. We're supposed to be serving God. 
Absolutely. Definitely. I 100% believe in that. And because of that is why we also, um, in the production space, if we want to honor the Lord, we want to do a better job. And so the way we do that is, is elevate the tools that we have before us. And so, uh, but yeah, just kind of answering your question very simply is, uh, you know, the, I think the one thing that I've seen churches, especially large capital C churches try to do is really upgrade their overall quality of their video production. Um, and really audio comes along with that just as well. But, uh, but overall, uh, in a very short period of time also, we've had to learn it. Yeah, absolutely. I think excellence is probably like the great catch-all for everything that we're talking about. And um, this idea of cinematic storytelling is is huge. And um, I know for some of the teams that I was helping like lead production and, and do that for is we had to educate people on what that meant and like what does mm-hmm. cinematic actually mean? Like, are we talking mm-hmm. shallow depth of field or are we actually talking mm-hmm. about um, like motion? Like what, you know, and so my question to you is what does cinematic mean in your context and uh, what do you mm-hmm. think uh you know, uh, production leaders or, uh, pastors can learn from, from that style. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, I think the biggest thing, um, is you, it's kind of like what you just said a second ago, actually, Nick, when you said storytelling, um, I always imagine that every shot or every visual that you are trying to capture is trying to essentially help people feel or help people experience God uh, in the services. And sometimes when it's just a camera kind of set up in the back of the room, um, you know, definitely if that's what your church is capable of doing, there's great ways of of handling that. Um, But what you've seen in larger churches like um, Elevation, Bethel, Red Rocks, some of those those names that are kind of hitting my YouTube feed quite a bit, actually, they've decided to take a more visual approach and how they film their worship. Um, maybe sometimes with their message, not so much, because again, you're not trying to be distracting. All you're really trying to do is just help capture the moment for people who just cannot be there visually. Um, and I would even say too, we, we can learn a thing or two from the secular world um, in the way live streaming is even kind of just stepped up a notch. We're really have gotten to a point where technology can really give you a great experience from home. Uh, and we should use those tools for those individuals, um, which I know is, a, is kind of a hot topic back and forth for a lot of pastors now. And again, um, but the, the reality is there's just a lot of people who either still aren't comfortable coming back to church because of COVID or have learned that actually I can just stay home and watch surface. Um, whether you agree with it or not, there is a reality there. And so therefore we're just trying to bring that level of excellence and service that we do in the room to the folks that are now sitting at home on their couches with their families. That's such a great point because um, chemistry staffing, they came out with this like one through five of rating an online church, one being like there's absolutely nothing, it's only in person, and five being the idea that you could create digital disciples anywhere. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I see a lot of churches uh, are somewhere in between that, like they don't know exactly what they know, but they do know that they want to offer that online uh, broadcast to to those people. And I think that's the the philosophical mindset that you have around it is really key in making sure that we continue to stay excellent and also helping people stay connected to their faith. Because you have to ask the question, is this person who's watching on the other end, is this their last line of like defense and in, in, in faith when it comes to them following Christ or even like, you know, yep. supporting the church? And so I think that's a, a great... Um, 
you know, a great, a great mindset. One thing that interests me, and uh, I don't know if you saw this, but back in, I think it was May of 2020, Transformation Church, uh, Mike Todd, he preached a message and they flooded the stage. It started to rain and he got into yeah. a little boat and the cameraman, like he was like, like getting drenched on and the camera was getting poured on. Can you maybe yeah. talk, like how, what are other things that you've seen that some churches have done that have been like very on the storytelling side of things, but also very much like it was a heavy production lift, but it, but the reward was, was, was worth it. Um, well, uh, I mean, there's, there's lots of great examples out there, first of all. Um, but the one that I'm actually drawn to is one that, uh, we did actually at high desert church. If I can, um, I don't want to say brag for a moment, but just give an application. Um, we were in a situation where we were trying to figure out what to do for our Good Friday service. Uh, I believe in uh, 2021, 2022, no, sorry, 2020. Uh, I can't remember which year it was now. I think, I think it was 2021. Um, but essentially we leveraged uh, completely pre-filming everything for our uh, worship experience for Good Friday. Um and the whole idea behind it really was Good Friday is a really good time where you can be very artistic because it's a very uh, heavy day, you know, for anyone who's a follower of the faith. And um, and so we really wanted to take the opportunity of storytelling and gather up the way that we filmed and the way that our pastors would preach and the way that we would do our worship to have a very synchronized story that would take you from basically Gethsemane to the death on the cross Um and then uh, we had a really, really fun idea of how to kind of end the service, but with this very kind of like preview of Easter-esque uh, type of moment. And um, and really, again, it was just the storytelling, right? It was just the, the soundtrack that uh, several of our guys were able to kind of work on within the church. Um, the filming and the way that we filmed it, we actually filmed the, the it in black and white, Um hopefully to just, and we hope that people kind of got it, but it was supposed to be more of a representative of kind of the dark and dreariness of, of Good Friday uh, that Christianity called it, but it was real fun. Our, our Right at the very end, our motif uh, kind of popped up and then it popped into color um, right before it cut to black, um, kind of as a preview to take it uh, into Easter. And the feedback that I received on that in particular was it really helped people Revisualize, but in a different way, um, what Christ was really experiencing on those last hours of his life on earth. Um, and it wasn't necessary to say that, you know, oh, look at how great of a job we did. That wasn't necessarily the idea, right? The, the idea was, is, man, how do we take a story that's super familiar, the crucifixion, and how do we repackage it, but in a way for people to kind of re-experience maybe that, that first time they actually sat and thought about what Christ went through, um, on the cross. And so when that mindset was applied, I think it, it was really easy for us to, ch to chase it, right? The, the, the great thing about Christianity is there's a lot of inspiration in the Bible. Um, and so I think for us, Man, that was a huge win, but it was also something we'd never done before uh, as far as our quality. We've always live streamed or we've always been in person. And unfortunately, because of what co where COVID was at, we still weren't comfortable with bringing people all the way back to our services just yet. And so this was the option that we went with. And man, I, I received some really overwhelmingly positive feedback on that. And so um, 
Hopefully that answers the question for you, Nick. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I did see that, and you're right. The storytelling, the music, it was all layered together in a way that it took somebody on an experience and it made them feel something um, and then think about what they were feeling. And so I think that's that's a great use of story. That's a great use of production. That's a great use of like you know filming. And so um, I think that kind of like leads me to this next question of of that takes a lot of work and it's mm-hmm. you can't do it alone. Um, and that takes a very very high capacity team. So can you talk to me about uh, like leading those teams and what's your leadership style? And I would love to hear it from the lens of letting a pastor know what that workload looks like, what what they should expect the workload to look like for 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 their teams. Yeah, most definitely. Um, the well, to start with your question about leadership style, um, very humbly, uh, I would say I've learned a lot over the years on how to lead, and I've learned a lot on how to not lead. Um, and one of the biggest things is just remembering a very important scripture passage that is very short, but I also just try to remember that this is from the Word of God. And that this is how everything ought to be um, in the way that I manage and order. And uh, it's from 1 Corinthians 14.40. It's, uh, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And so obviously you can take that and kind of move in, in whatever direction that you want with it. But I feel like the context here is speaking spe- specifically to um, essentially if we are to be imitators of Christ, Christ was fitting and orderly or God himself being the creator of the world and creation and everything was done in a fitting and orderly way. We ought to imitate that. Um, and so for me, the biggest uh, thing in my, in my leadership style is, is just making sure that people understand, um, there's a reason for everything that we do. Um, we're not trying to do things that are random. We're not trying to do things that, um, don't make sense. Uh, everything has to have uh, an order and a reason why we're doing what we're doing. And uh, communication is very huge. I'm a big believer in being 100% honest with my team, 100% with the people that are around me, and just making sure that you know uh, the communication level is at an all-time high. I feel like that's one thing that you know I learned growing in my manager experiences. That you know if if you're not if you feel like you can't really be open and honest with people, I understand that there's times where you have to be discreet about some of the things you speak with. But for the most part, there's always a really proper way to have conversations with anybody at any level um, that make them feel like they're part of something and that they feel like that they're being treated very equally to you, even though you are a leader essentially. And so I really try to lead with um, very much that, that let's shoulder this burden together. Let's, let's move. And so I really try to take that, uh, into my management style is just to be an imitator of Christ. I feel like he was the ultimate leader. And so we should definitely imitate the way that he was and the way that he continues to be. Um, yeah. And then, so, uh, going more into the, uh, maybe more the technical side, uh, the practicality of, of everything that we do. Um, I speak from my experience that, uh, managing, I've managed teams of young people. I've managed teams of people who are older than me, managed teams of people who are all of, of my peer level. Um, and again, making mistakes and all, along the way I've, I've come to a point to where I've learned how to communicate, um, and really meet people on their level, um, in order to help elevate them to be better at what they do. So, um, spending time with folks, letting them know that, 
you know, hey, what do you want to do? What what is your what's your overall goal? Why are you here? How can I help you achieve that? How how can I help elevate your position as much as possible? And uh, it really find that you know the relationships that you build with people being your number one priority, it makes it really easy to ask for help. It makes it really easy to um, tell people uh, suggestions and they listen to it, right? Because, you know, you've actually taken the time to sit down and listen to not only just my work, but also maybe even some personal things just as well. Um, And, you know, let's be honest. I mean, in the Christian space and we're, that's what we're called to do, right? We're called to shoulder each other's burdens. And uh, I believe in that 100%. But I will definitely say it makes my job a lot easier the next time I do have to ask for someone to do something for me or, or work with me on something. It's, you know what? Yeah, I do want to work with you. I want to I want to complete this task with you. And uh, But uh, to answer your question, Nick, I think that it all just boils down to you really got to be willing to have the relationships in order to lead well. I think that's 100%. One thing we say at Kingdom One, one of our values is relationship first. And we kind of think through the lens of deploying that as fast friends, uh, meaning mm-hmm. like we just deploy trust at every turn. Like there's no reason not to trust, you know what I mean? Like in, in, in a certain aspect. And so I think uh, like a, us trying to export health uh, is key. And I think you do that very, very well within your teams. And even the clients that you've helped, I know we've we've t- taken a a trip together and help some clients out. And, um, and I, and I feel like your leadership style is so well received, uh, by other pastors and other leaders and, and, and other people. So, uh, I just want to say kudos to you for that. And, you know, that's, that's such a, a great mindset to, to, to move forward in for any production leader or any leader within, uh, the church space. Yeah. Thank As, you. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a, it's such a pleasure to work with you. As we think through the lens of, um, you know, just, like, I think one thing is uh, really clear in, in the production space is like gear is important. Like you can't do your job mm-hmm. without the gear. Like that's just a reality. Um, but we're also kind of like gear nerds. And so I'd love to maybe uh, talk about uh, for pastors and leaders, like what is it, what's the difference between professional gear and consumer grade gear? And why should we be able to know the difference? Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's kind of like I was telling you prior that I feel like the the answer to that question can go in so many different directions. Um, so again, I, I will speak from my experience and actually I, I think the one example that I have written down here that I'd love to share is I was talking with an individual, uh, one of our clients actually about, um, a piece of gear that I did recommend to them. Uh, I had actually recommended them the, uh, um, for any gearheads out there, the Behringer X32. Um, and essentially the reason for recommending that to them is they were uh, wanting to take their live stream to the next level, but they're also uh, a smaller church or an older church. And, and, you know, they really were just like, man, we're not trying to overcomplicate things too much. And so, um, kind of found myself in a position where I was kind of explaining digital, uh, the digital world and having to help this uh, older individual understand why the recommendation was here and to not necessarily be so scared of, of the, I'll, I'll say professional very loosely. I know some people probably their, their stomachs will turn when they think of professional on a Behringer X32. Um, but in their particular case, it was. And so having to help them understand why the, the application was, was good for them in this particular case, it was about an hour and a long hour and a half long conversation. Um, but at the end of it, uh, it actually was very positive and came to a, okay, great. This actually isn't, uh, as, as, uh, 
uh, overwhelming as it may seem. So to overarch that question, um, any pastors or anyone who might be listening to this is like, man, I don't know a thing about the technical space. Uh, Totally understandable. And I will say they have really made things easier in the long run. I mean, the fact that probably most of us now have some sort of home set up in order to do FaceTime or in order to do Google Meets, kind of like what we're doing right now. The fact that that's just become so common uh, because of COVID has actually helped leverage most of the population, especially in the United States, on really how to do basically a very dumbed down version of what we do in church. (laughs) You need a camera in order to broadcast. So we've got one right here. Um, You've probably seen switchers before where you can switch between multiple different cameras. I mean, so uh, that's also something that we are taking advantage of here right now when, when we film this podcast actually. And so, um, so taking that and kind of raising that to the higher level, um, The difference really just being is your capability and all of the different things that you can do. Um, And I feel like there's an application for every setting. You know, if you need just one camera pointed at your stage, there's a great quality, um, high-level pieces of gear. Um, Blackmagic has honestly just been knocking out of the park lately with uh, their ATEM uh, minis and their ATEM production spa- uh, uh, switchers that they've been coming out with, which are relatively cheap. You know, the ATEM mini, for example, I think is like, what, 300 bucks right now? Four, $500 or something along those lines? Uh, super easy to use, and a lot of people love using that, uh, just specifically because it's nice and compact and easy to move around. Very good for people who are on the move. Um, that being said, the high higher level of switchers that are coming out from Black Magic also are actually very affordable. I mean, I remember shoot when gosh, it has to be maybe seven years ago when I had purchased a four uh, A Hanabi switcher and the brain that went with it. We spent seventy thousand dollars at the last church that I was at to purchase that, and now you can probably spend less than half of that with what gear has been made available from companies like black magic now where you can get a switcher and you can get everything that you need to do professional level quality uh of streaming now i know that you know again depending on who's listening to that some folks may think well any thousands of dollars is expensive you're absolutely right there definitely is and again there's an application for for everything but i'm a big black magic fan personally i love their gear um uh it has been a bit of a pain to try to work with Apple and uh, their new M1 uh, laptops and desktops that have come out very recently. It's basically we live in a world of dongles now where you need a dongle for everything, it seems like. Um, but uh, I, I will say overall, we've been really happy with their gear um, more recently. And then, uh, yeah, definitely. So, and I mean, as far as cameras go, um, there's a number of ways that people are diving into, to uh, a level of quality, a nice, good DSLR camera from Canon, Sony. Um, I think Nick right now, if you're looking at his quality, he's using, you're using the Sony, uh, did you say the a seven or six or it's a a 6,600. It's an APS-C. It's not even full frame. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But obviously, you can see you've got really great look uh, on you, good color on your picture, nice depth of field from your lens that you're using as well. Nice, there's really good focus coming off of your particular camera. And uh, shoot, I mean, you're you're talking 
Can you tell us how much that that was, Nick? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's like fourteen hundred dollars for the body, and the yeah. lens was like three hundred and forty, so maybe seventeen hundred dollars yeah. max altogether. But, yeah, but, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I, that seems like a pretty big investment, but it is also a quality that you could just continue to stream and meet, and so it it hits mm-hmm. a lot of applications. Yeah, one thing that I actually I thought was really funny as I was watching a uh, um, a Canon. Um, ad that popped up on my Facebook page not too long ago. And they actually had Red Rocks Church um, that they were essentially doing the ad for. And Red Rocks is, has been entirely using all Canon uh, equipment. But one of the things that uh, Red Rocks is leveraging is um, when they're getting some of their crowd shots, they just have guys out in the crowd with these DSLR cameras, just literally just these little full frames that they're just using and just putting a, a, a wireless unit on there just to get it uh, SDI, HDMI out into the switcher. And at the end of the day, they're just back there and they're just getting really nice crowd shots. Um, and it's easy for them, right? Cause they can maneuver kind of back and forth. So, uh, you know, a lot of photographers cameras that are, are coming out nowadays also have really good video capability. And so I'm a big Canon fan. Um, I just like the, the way that their stuff kind of comes off. Um, but that being said, a lot of DSLRs are great. And then moving in, you know, if you, if you really want to up your level, if you really want to up your game, if you want to try to get better zoom, uh, on a lot of the cinema cameras that are coming out nowadays, the, uh, I'm a big, I love the, the Canon C series. I've used the, the two hundreds and, and the three hundreds and they are, they're just uh, unbelievable pieces of machinery. <laughs> um, they're a little bit, uh, on the pricier side, but, uh, for where we were at with our budget, being able to get the C two hundreds, um, was actually a very budgetable, um, process for us. I think in order to buy four of those, I think we spent about 20 grand on those cameras and they actually came with a lens kit just as well. We've, we've obviously done some upgrades and in the meantime and bought better lenses for them. But, um, you know, to get four cameras into a switcher, um, and for live streaming, I mean, you could easily, easily get into it for less than 10 grand. Um, if you go entirely DSLR, but if you want to take the level up into the, the cinema cams that are out nowadays, um, like I said, you could easily jump into the world for a good 20 grand. Um, and again, there's, there's levels going up, but, uh, you know, I've, I've just been a huge fan of, of everything that we've upgraded to these past several years. It's been really easy to use, really easy to maneuver. And almost, I almost feel bad because I just know that there's guys who literally have gone to school to learn the craft. And I'm like, man, I, there's some of these dudes where I'm, I'm, I'm looking at what they're doing. I'm like, Oh, I know how to get, I know how to get there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, it's, it's uh, meaning that the, the technology has just gotten a lot simpler to use over the time. You definitely do need to spend some time learning it and learning the craft. Um, but that kind of brings me to my, you know, my next point is you can have all the gear in the world that you want. Um, but you know, you gotta have an eye and you gotta have an ear for it. Um, and it's really nice to be able to talk with folks who do video or do audio and kind of listen to their techniques. But at the end of the day, um, it's not something that you're going to learn overnight when COVID struck. Um, I wish I had a before and after of what our stuff looked like. We were just using old Sony broadcast cameras, um, because broadcast was how you broadcasted. And so everything that we had looked very uh, live and almost like we were just filming, you know, the Oscars or something like that. 
um, just very straightforward, not a, not a ton of camera movement, just cameras were just where they needed to be very non-distracting. And we've kind of thrown that kind of to the side and have decided to move more into the cinema style, uh, as much as we can, you know, we have a lot to learn. Um, but I will say having the before and after between three years ago versus where we are now, I feel like has, has been drastically different and that's coming from people with no schooling and video at all. So that's awesome. Yeah. I have to, I have to agree. The, the spectrum on which you can get almost about anything is, is changed dramatically. Uh, and consumer grade is almost at that professional grade level. Like you said, the C 200s and I couldn't agree more. I feel like mm-hmm. the C200 is probably the best bang for your buck as a cinema camera, but that can also sit in the production space. Or if you're like wanting to film announcements, like that thing can, it, it, it's worth its weight in gold. Um, honestly, mm-hmm. just because of how versatile that camera is and how great the autofocus is. And so if you're, if you're a pastor listening and you're like, Hey, what's a good starting point for, you know, um, you know, starting a relationship with Black Magic and just, you know, reaching out to them saying that you're a church and that you would like to try gear. They're so uh, very good at, at, you know, uh, you know, sending you like a loaner to test stuff out, you know, and, and we, that was the, what, what we did is we, we, we formed a, a relationship with uh, Black Magic directly. And then just, you know, uh, B&H had some great, uh, you know, uh, business things that we tapped into as a nonprofit. And so I think those are really key things in order like to test the gear that you might get in before you actually make those large purchases. Yeah, definitely. One of the cool things that I've kind of noticed is we're kind of like dancing around this, but like there's a lot of overlap when it comes to marketing communications, even the streaming space, like even, you know, lots of things going on there. And so for ministries that want to create content, um, like, like, uh, let's talk about that line being blurred between the production space and the, uh, and and marketing communications uh, spaces. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, speaking from my personal experience, when COVID struck and our church had decided that they were going to close, um, there was a bit of a panic from my productions team as far as, uh, oh shoot, what are we going to do? (laughs) And, uh, you know, our job is live production. And even though online was something that we were doing, we were just showing, um, a broadcast from our broadcast site at that particular point in time. So our job every week was basically getting ready for just shooting video on Saturday and live streaming Saturday and then rebroadcasting what we did for Saturday, uh, on Sunday morning. So, there wasn't a whole, I mean, there was a lot to do, but it was kind of different, right? Like we essentially were, it, there were less conversations about memorials and funerals and all the other things that the church is very heavily involved with that those had to go away. And so uh, I had a team of about 15 people, um, three of which were full-time including my, or, and, and then also myself. So four full-time and then the rest being all part-time that were all, we're blessed to, to have hired so that way we can handle all the different things that we do for our community um, and for the church just as well. But that kind of went away. And so uh, shoot, uh, the, the blend is really where um, the Marcom space at our church was filming all of our post-production items. So announcements, uh, maybe the occasional video that needed to be shot for, uh, you know, maybe uh, something that was coming up, um, taking photo um, for events, you know, that was kind of where their space was at, baptism events just as well. 
and the overlap really is um, the way that productions is positioned at our church is that we're responsible for weekend services. And then we kind of went into this spot of, well, wait a minute, we're kind of doing post-production for our weekend services. Shoot, who owns that? <laughs> and I think that is where uh, obviously, you know, the the easy answer was, is we all need to work together to do this. But um, as far as who um, would take it, uh, you know, we kind of would have to go week by week on, on whose job was what. Um, and then there was a certain point where uh, we actually – um, I wouldn't say abandoned, but we recognized that we could do a better job with our quality for online if we were just post-producing everything, post-producing the message, post-producing worship, announcements, anything that you can think of, essentially. It was basically just a pre-packaged video that we would show uh, online. And then it really became like this blurred line of, well, but Calm does everything post-production, but now they want the entire service post-production. But there's a lot of things that we're moving towards post-production. All of our ministries, we're starting to take advantage of that. Uh, children's ministry, uh, students' ministry, they were doing post-production for their midweek services. Um, and again, that was actually another overlap too, where the student live services were live streaming for a little while, and then they decided to move to uh, post-production just as well. So anyways, uh, the overlap, uh, we've learned over these years to basically we got to the point to where we just realized, you know what, like these are skills that all of us need to be learning. And these are skills that, you know, I probably need to learn how to make graphics because if something comes up last minute and my graphic team is just so overwhelmed with all the, the work that they're getting bombarded with, I need to be able to know how to do that. Or I need to be able to know how to use the Adobe suite essentially to be able to do post-production video, uh, post-production audio just as well. So diving into Pro Tools, we actually finally uh, dove fully into uh, Pro Tools broadcast live setup um, for our, whenever we do live services. So now we were able to take our audio quality to the next level just as well. So Really, overall, the, the short answer, Nick, is, um, man, all of our jobs just increased, and so did our resumes. <laughs> so now we, we know how to do more things across the whole space. But it's really, it's great, though, because now the communication between our departments is easier than it ever has been. You know, I can go and I can say, hey, the way you rendered this isn't working, or or something along those lines. Can you, can you kind of do it in a different way, or we can talk prior to even a product getting finished before we know exactly what it's going to look like when it goes up on the big screen, things along those lines. We were able to help with audio quality on recording announcements, uh, vice versa. They help with our video quality and things along those lines. We were really able to start diving into um, the more cinematic look um, was a huge help from several of the guys who are videographers in the comm space just as well. And, and we were amateurs to begin with. And now we're, we're getting to a point where we kind of know what we're doing in the production space on that. So um, yeah, long story short, we just, uh, we all had to kind of pitch in and help and do whatever we could. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love how, um, like you said there, like now there's a shared language, you know, your resume kind of got boosted a bit because you're doing more, uh, but it's, it's, it was a more with a goal in mind. And so, uh, mm -hmm. that, that said, I think 
you know, collaboration between teams is so important. Uh, and not only is that collaboration, like has COVID forced that collaboration, uh, but like maintaining that uh, post COVID is, is, is going to be really, really uh, key. Um, I think uh, we might have a couple of resources and some checklists that we can uh, suggest to some people if they want to download those uh, from from some of the gear that you talked about, even some of the services, they can check the uh, show notes and and kind of see uh, like what that Good Friday service looked like. Uh, but as, mm-hmm. as we wrap up today, um, if you were to go back, like say right before the pandemic and you were able to, to speak to yourself and say, hey, this is the one thing that you should uh, like prep for and continue to prep for moving forward, uh, what would that thing be and why? This is just another phase that you're going through and the Holy Spirit is going to carry you through it and you're going to learn some really great tools along the way. And as a matter of fact, I would just say that COVID has taught me so much patience now that I would say the way that I would react to problems prior, I I think to myself kind of, uh, man, I I don't know how I could ever get upset at anything because all the things I used to deal with were so minor in comparison to when COVID struck and then everything that came along from that. Um, I would definitely say my character was shaped through that. And so um, he really carried, man, really just everyone uh, through this, this valley. Um, where, man, everyone was just unsure. And it's crazy how we spent so much time being so sure of how, uh, what our next moves were going to be. It's almost like God was just like, you know what? I just need to shake up the world and help remind them that I can do whatever I want at the drop of a hat. And you guys need to trust me and stop trusting in yourself. Stop trusting in your buildings. Stop trusting in uh, the money that gets shuffled to you. Whatever the case is, remember that it's all about me. I am sovereign. And so, uh, yeah, that's, that's from a very spiritual sense for me. Um, and then as far as the practical side is learn everything, (laughs) learn, learn as much as you possibly can. There's nothing that you're an expert in right now, and there's nothing that you will ever be uh, a quote unquote expert. And you need to continue in your craft and you need to continue in your excellence. And whenever you think something is good enough, um, you most certainly need to look at where you can grow and get better. Kingdom One fam, I love hearing from Scott Partridge because his leadership, it is gentle, it is visionary, and yet it is super effective. And maybe hearing about all the changes that have happened in production got your wheels turning and you're thinking about either hiring a production lead or adding to your production staff. The thing that you can do is go to sparkstaffing.co. You can post that job and get 15% off that job posting by using Spark coupon code at checkout. The reason that Spark is different because we look at... Uh, staffing acquisition in a whole unique way. And it is through the cultural fit, it is through calling, and it is through relational intelligence. If a candidate meets those three requirements, they're going to stay with you longer, they're going to fit the culture of your team, and they are going to be able to relate and solve problems within your ministry. That is uh, sparkstaffing.co. Use coupon code SPARK at checkout. Guys, thanks so much for tuning into today's podcast. And until we chat again, let's grow the church together.